Welcome to Protect Our Past, home to many of us who are passionate about saving historic, iconic houses that are on the Cape. They line the streets. We're trying to save them from the wrecking ball, which I call the T-Rex. Every once in a while, I'll be driving down the street, and I'll say, oh, there's another T-Rex in action. And it, it's not exactly what I'm hoping will happen. But anyway, we're, we're working to prevent that from happening. Um, and you know what? It's almost the end of the first month of 2024. I can't believe how fast time has flown. I know, Ellen. Happy 2024. Yeah. And, uh, and you are? You're the founder and co-host. Of Protect Our Past. Right. Yes, Any you. New Year's resolutions you're still holding on to? Well, I know. <laughs> I have one. What? I'm still honoring. I'm here for a third season with you. Can you All believe right. it? Yeah. You know what? That should have been my New Year's resolution, but it, yeah. I'll, I'll share. You'll share yours with mine. Yeah. And we have a terrific guest today. Oh, man, do we ever. Go ahead and introduce him to us. Well, well Chris Nagel is joining us today here in the OMR studios, and Happy New Year to everybody out there in the listening audience. Uh, Chris is a uh, local Cape Cod person, grew up in New England. Uh, Cornell graduate of the hotel school, and uh, he is not only a realtor with Compass Realty in Truro, he also specializes in restoration work. This guy, he walks the walk, or maybe he talks the walk. I forget. At any rate, hi, Chris. Um, Chris, what attracted you to being passionate about architecture? And before you answer that, we did have a brief meeting, I think it was in December or November, and I remember you said, you know, I got into real estate not because I was into sales, but because I'm into homes, and I I haven't forgotten that. Well, thank you, and thank you, Matt and Ellen, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, As far as getting into architecture, I I think my dad was quite an influence. He was an art teacher, and he was always involved in building, so... We, I would join him on some of these sites. He built our home, and uh, I just became fascinated that they would frame a wall on the flat and then lift it, mm-hmm. and imagining that was going to be our window or that was going to be our door. So the fact through construction, I think, is when I first developed it, and then I do think to a certain extent you're born with that interest a little bit. I think when kids were saying astronaut or doctor or something i was always or playing with matches or playing with matches <laughs> yeah i said don't burn down <laughs> buildings um i yeah i was always saying architect and uh i as you said earlier i went to hotel school so i got a little off that path but they had an amazing design program and suddenly you know the skies parted and the angels sang and you couldn't drag me out of studio so that led to taking every elective I could in architecture while mm-hmm. in college. I went to Rome with the architecture program. I did a really great summer program at Harvard. So I never went on to get licensed, but that was the beginning of my interest yeah. in it. So. Do what you love and love what you do, right, Ellen? Yeah, and you followed through with your passion by getting educated at the best of best places. For I mean, You chose Cornell for hotel at the top, and then you go on to other well-known places for your architectural passion. Um, And you also are interested in art. And I'm just thinking here, when I think of a historic building, that it is art. 
It certainly is. I think in many ways they uh, are related in a certain sense of imagination and um, abandon with uh, with that. I also think they're very different. I mean, the, I re once re um, read this amazing article about how artists go into their studio and the whole idea is not to consider anything outside of that and create their artwork and bring that back out. And yet architecture, granted, you're working with a shape, but you are considering zoning. I mean, the list yeah. goes on. There isn't one And getting longer. Thing. What's that? And getting longer. And getting longer. And when someone can get through that process, I really do bow to architects that can put up a beautiful building, especially in a downtown or a city where they have responded to every last influence. So while they are related, and I also like to think that, you know, Artwork is always really kind of the cherry in a way because you're doing a building um, and they are beautiful spaces, but there's nothing like having a building then frame or provide the opportunity to hang a magnificent piece of art. So so you do both because you have at least had an art studio. Um, so yeah, you have that appreciation, that yep. visual appreciation is carried on in multiple arenas in your life. Yeah. Yeah, it's really nice. It. I, um, I'm going back to the art and the building. When you build, when, first of all, I would agree that all the regs, the codes, are interfering with the artistic process. But they didn't have those in the early days. They just built a house, not necessarily for the art value, but for the environment. I'm going to speak to that for a minute. Sure. I think the other piece of that that I'll add is that it wasn't that long ago before um, when architects weren't really involved in your typical residential situation. I think builders really had a m much better sense of scale and proportion and um, uh, and if they were just building. And they actually, um, I think in... I told you about that book, um, Jonathan Hale, that wrote How Buildings Learn. Um, and no, that was the old way of seeing. And then Stuart Brand wrote um, How Buildings Learn. And they were talking about that builders even knew a little bit of play, how to keep the facade alive, to set a window a little off center. I mean, they, they had a sense of how to design in an exciting way while maintaining a tremendous amount of practicality with that. Mm -hmm. You didn't fool around with the expenses of heat and electricity and all of that. So, But they would, going back, way back in the 16th, 17th, 1800s, they would face the front south so you'd get the sun to help warm the house and they designed the roof so it minimize wind uh, influences yeah. or... Um, but I'm going to jump forward and say, okay, so you are off Cape, but now you're on Cape and have been for a number of years. Yeah, what's applying. your Cape connection? Yeah. Uh, my family moved here between my high school and uh, freshman year of college to Mid-Cape, mm -hmm. Centerville. And both my parents always loved the ocean, and I think would look back that they were away from it for too long. Um, and I just loved it and then you were introduced to an entirely new 
mix of styles. You know, one of my favorites is the shingle style, which you see a lot in Centerville. Mm -hmm. You see a lot in Osterville. You see a lot in Chatham. More along the south side because that was um, built later than a lot of Old Kings Highway. So I loved that style. Um, so that's where it started. And then I don't know, somehow I managed to spend most summers here, even through college and working and I'm doing a mix Sounds of like things. a familiar story, right, Ellen? Yes. That's how a lot of people arrive here. They get infected when they come here and they can't quite let it go and then they want to be part of it. Fortunately, you're here year-round versus just a summer resident, which right. satisfies some needs of some right. people. Hey, Ellen, before we start having too much fun, um, why don't we remind our listeners that we are now, Protect Our Past, uh, a 501c3. Yes. And you can go out and see a variety of information and content out at our website at www.protectourpast.org. What else do we have out there? Well, uh, we're going to focus on the website. We have the three films. You can find them on YouTube as well. But it's mm -hmm. um, Once Lost, Gone Forever, first one we did, then the Love Letter to Cape Cod. And then last year we did Life Rings, and we have another one on the docket if these walls could talk. But we haven't produced it yet. We're in process. Right. And don't forget our social media presence oh, at, yes. at uh, Facebook at Protect Our Past USA. If you just do Protect Our Past, it'll take you to Ireland. Yes. Uh, our YouTube channel where you can see our pop reels. Yes. And, and Instagram. Instagram. And despite it's our third season, we are yet on TikTok, but we're getting there. Well, we haven't gotten to TikTok. I'm waiting for you to do your dance. <laughs> yeah, right. Remember the one out of the cake? Yeah. We'll get back right, to yeah, that yeah. another time. No, yes. that was you jumping out I'm of the not, cake. That yeah, was I'm, me dancing like a bear. So. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. We're, so, we let's go back practice. to having fun, shall we? Let's get back to reality here. Yeah, We've got, I'm having fun. Are you having yeah, fun? Well, sure. I'll tell you where I had a lot of fun, and that was when I got to see your ice house in Truro. Share, with, if you wish, on whatever level what I mean by your ice house. Sure. Um, I th most people know it as the old art school, North Truro School of Art. It's on Pond Road um, on the way toward Cold Storage Beach. Uh, it was on that site was an ice house where they would harvest the ice and uh, use it at Cold Storage Beach in shipping fish out of town. Um, in 1941, Jerry Farnsworth, very accomplished artist in this area, um, started the school there and built the did the building in the likeness of the ice house, which I love that he did that. Um, and uh, I purchased it uh, seven years ago, I guess. Um, I live I have a little place up the road from there, but. Um, and it's seasonal. I mean, it's not insulated. I haven't done a whole lot in there. There's still paint on the floors from when it was a school. Um, and I um, just fill it with fun artwork and pottery. And I just try to keep the spirit of making things and making art there. Um, and I share it as much as I can. I've done uh, sort of hosted a lot of fundraisers. I, if people have asked, for the most part, I've said yes, because I feel responsible to share it. Yes. And Ellen is raising her hand And here. why would I'm I be raising my hand? I'm happy to take questions to do fundraiser, a fundraiser for... yes. Yes, protect our past. I'm How about just an impromptu happy hour, pop happy hour? 
Well, we could. Uh, <laughs> How about both? Okay. How about both? Yeah. All right. Stay tuned. We'll I'm let you know in. when this is going to happen. But yeah, absolutely. It is is the best feeling when you walk in there, and part of that is because of the wood. Mm-hmm. For me, it's that's why we did the film Life Rings, the Life Rings of Wood. Um, when you walk into a building like that, you just feel something. Whether you're feeling the stories from the past, I'm not sure what it is, but. It, it makes you feel like you want to stay and enjoy it and maybe kind of like home. Mm. Is that you're, you're very fortunate to have that, but you work hard for that. But you're also a realtor. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, goodness, what don't you do, really? I know, but I start to wonder at times whether uh, I do too much. But like, I, like you mentioned, Matt, I did not do real estate because of sales. I wouldn't take my real estate experience and just go anywhere. Mm-hmm. It had to do with really caring about homes here and being able to speak about them or to them. Um, you know, I would say what, I mean, we all know, I'd say 75, 80, 90% of people that buy homes here are then ready to make changes. And while I, I'm, I'm very, uh, aware that I don't mix the two. I don't, in real estate, talk about this is what I do. I don't feed my own business with it, but I do think it's important to point to what people can do. You know, you don't want to have someone walk out of a house because there's not enough light or, I mean, I'm using a basic example. Mm-hmm. Um, I First time I walk into a house, I feel like I'm, the first thing is aware of where the sun rises and sets and understanding from a buyer what's important to them and how they want to live. Um, yeah, of course, my favorite is showing an old home. Yeah. And I also think that people, they can mix the two. I mean, we live differently now. We can't deny that, right? We're much more light-starved than we were ever before. And I think there is a way to to work both of those things. I just am... Absolutely. So is it safe to say that that you pick your spots depending on the engagement or property that you're showing to to subtly influence or sway a potential buyer into seeing the value um, in preserving and restoring and working with an existing building versus saying, let's tear it down and build something new and it'll be 15,000 square feet? Fortunately, in this area, I, I don't see a lot of that scale. Um, I always think in terms of how do we use this footprint? How do we use as much of this framing? I um, And there have been at different times when there's been a lot more inventory. It surprises me that people buy lots. It's a matter like get creative, reuse. Um, and I think it's... I have found that in real estate, you ask a lot of the same questions as I ask of a, in a client in design, right? So it's really similar in that sense to mm-hmm. better understand what they want in a house. And sure, I'm thrilled to point to answer those questions, what they're looking for and what changes they can make. And I will also say about this, I guess, demographic is most people have been through a renovation before so they're listening so they, they understand sort of know what, what they know about. but if it's right. an old home which i know we want to talk about that's an interesting conversation it's yeah. um 
And in a lot of ways, it's more focusing on the story of the building and them caring. And I automatically have that enthusiasm. So, and yeah, you can make the changes in an old home and, but keep the moldings and replicate that. You can still keep that feeling and open it up. So if you had anything specific where you've taken a historic building from the precipice of destruction and demise and brought it back and the the original buyer was thinking i'm going to tear it down i'm going to raise it i'm going to build new and 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 you you got them back uh thinking about again the merits of restoration and not raising it uh i would answer that in two ways i have had my own for a long time i was and i never used the word flip you don't flip an antique if you do it right Flip implies you just turn it around mm-hmm. in months. You know, it's a perfume the pig kind of thing, and that's not the case. Um, but uh, so you can I flip did a the house. laundry. You can't flip the antique house, right? There you go. You yeah. can you can flip out <laughs> once you buy it. No, um, and it was a house in Centerville on South Main with a view of the Centerville River. And I had my moments of thinking the wrecking ball should have done it because it had just been neglected. This is about you can have one owner for twenty years. And the wrecking ball can make sense to most people, right? Leaks all over the place. Um, careless jobs where they haven't paid attention to the historic quality of it. Um, and someone just, it starts to lose the value. It starts to lose the story. So to a certain extent, we have to understand why that can happen. I also think that um, I mean, I get what you're saying, but I also think that people don't know where to turn to 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 restore an historic house. That they, it's just overwhelming. You know, when we moved the historic mill uh, on our property and started restoring it, it was like holy smokes, who do who do I call? Mm-hmm. Which is my little opening for a pun because we are working on a digital catalog called who do you call so that we can for instance put your name down and these are these are your skills that are uh, well vetted and highly recommended and if you have a resource of where to go it doesn't seem like an impossible task and in fact it can be very encouraging especially when you talk to people who can do it and it's like oh i didn't know that and um and of course, you combine it with the story of the house, uh, and there are some fabulous stories of these houses because I'm collecting them for our our film. And you begin to say, "Well, wait a minute, maybe I really need to save this." And environmentally, it can make a lot of sense to not, you know, when we're talking about the carbon footprint, and it goes on from there. And again, we address that in Life Rings. Mm-hmm. You are really doing more damage to the planet. By not restoring and, and tearing down and building new, especially with the materials that are available today versus what's there. Um, but I think everybody needs a support system, and that's what Protect Our Past is trying to put together to make it easier. And to know people like you that we can call and say, you restore historic houses, you have a passion and love for it, you're the guy that we would recommend. So. And yeah, and I think that's what I love about our even our first meeting and you explaining that. And I do think that network, there's room for it to be built. And then we just have to put um, that resource in the right hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, doing real estate, I feel like people see a house twice and they've decided to buy it. And 
they, for the most part, know, if they've decided to buy it, they kind of have a sense of what changes they'd like to make. If they were that confused, they'd hang out for several more months or something. So I think that personally, and I do give credit to the real estate community up here. I think people are sensitive to that. And there's a strong historical commission presence. So, Well, I agree. Um, we want everybody to have their own antique roadshow moment when it comes to historic properties, right? Now, speaking of um, the who do you call, uh, Chris, I wanted to ask you, what do you think about the opportunity for a salvage center that focuses on restoration? And, and as Alan, Ellen and I uh, speak a lot, is that there's going to be occasions where we may not be able to save a historic property, but we can certainly preserve elements of it and give people the opportunity to repurpose a lot of those components that were salvaged from an old home uh, what are your thoughts on that? I've always deeply loved house parts. I used to go to Brimfield and mm-hmm. comb for columns and doors and every uh, piece I could find, even hand-hewn beams. So I think it is important. There's a network. There's an opportunity to have a network of people. Um, if people are going to have to hang on to things too long, oftentimes they'll get thrown out. I, none of us love to store it. So the idea of having a central place where this can go, great. I think there's the practical piece. Do we start with something, you know, to do something retail as high rent? Do we start with a a storage space and a network of people and we all take turns working that? But, yeah, I think there's a great opportunity Mm -hmm. for reuse. Ellen, thoughts? Oh, well, absolutely. Uh, I can tell you we've got lots of stuff in our basement which I will hold on to until we finish the restoration of the mill. And then it's like, please, where can I take this? Where Ellen, when I... you're ready to get rid of the um, Nagahod lounger, I want it. <laughs> <laughs> right. For my man, The 70s is the 1970s right, are really in. Yeah, anything velvet. Anything velvet. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, you'll be first on the list okay. if I decide to give that up. It's it's it'll be tough though. I have an issue with octagonal windows. Don't bring those in. Really? <laughs> or they what? were like Lee Presson uh, things wow. in the seventies. Yeah, come well, on. What about avocado appliances? Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know. I have something for them. Yeah. Well, there's a lot, but there's well. Now we're getting into never mind. I know. I, I, I'm I, trying I, to name I, one aesthetics. thing. Aesthetics. That, yeah. Well, let let's um, ask you one tough question. And that is when you have a client who has, who's looked at a property first time, maybe the second time, and it's an historic property, and you are, are certainly getting the vibe that they don't care about that. What can you say to them to get them to stop and think about what it is they're really doing before they demolish it? Uh that is a tough question. I, I don't know that there's, you'll have some influence. I'm confident in having that. I mean, there's the practical piece where, okay, we would be tossing all of these materials and just starting over. There's a certain amount of the responsibility and you can speak to how integrated this structure is into the larger picture. You can talk about historic commissions. I mean, there's, it's a lot of work to take down a historic building, at least in this area. 
So you can point to all of those. I don't, I, I don't feel like I'm selling on that. That's very real. But I think you can point to detail. You can tell the story. You can tell a little bit of the history of the area and that time period. Um, and the thing I will always stick by is that we do live differently. We do... Um, Many of us expect a great room of sorts, more light, more connection between the rooms. That can be done in an old home. So Amen. I think it's really listening to what someone wants to do. Um, I mean, yeah. You said something earlier, because I think we're almost running out of time, but you said something earlier about um, light. And um, I would like you to, I mean, why is it the focus? Why are we light starved? Yeah, why are we demanding more light than in the past? Well, we've slowly been given more light, and I just think we want more. I mean, going back to Thomas—sorry, uh, um, uh, Hale, Jonathan Hale's book, *The Old Way of Seeing*. He was in an, an antique cape in Dennis, and he was uncomfortable. The ceilings are low, the l windows are small. They couldn't make glass that large, but then he realized that. They were never indoors during the day. You came in and you were wiped out and you sat down. And when you sat down and the room at night felt perfect, it was just right. But we work from home. We now have expanses of glass that are six Samsung feet. TVs don't count when it comes to light. Does right? not count. And I'm one of them. Bring on the light. I could sit in full light. I love it. Because it also frames the outdoors, which... I happen to love. Well, it's it's when you are sitting in a, an historic house and the windows are small because they were taxed by King George. It goes way back to that. Um, but we aren't outdoors like we used to be, and I think that's really key. But I think we're winding up. We're about running out I of time. I believe so, yes. So we're going to wind up our first show of the season. Again, everybody in uh, WOMR listening audience, Happy New Year. Happy 2024. Chris, thank you for joining yeah, us. For really me. pleasure to have you on. Sure. Um, oh, lastly, where can people find more information about the work that you do? I knew you were going to ask this. <laughs> I would say it's a small town and ask five people and one would probably know someone that knows me. Um, I, I'm almost embarrassed to say that there's just been enough work through 30 years of doing this that I've never printed a design business card or had a website. So, um, they just so you can just, I, I'll tell you, my email is chrisnagel at mac.com. Um, I, I don't really want to steer you towards the real estate. I don't like to mix those things. So if it's design related, you'll find me. So it's chris.nagel or nope, chrisnagel? Chrisnagel. N-A-G-L-E. L-E. Yep. At, at mac.com. Mac you yep. heard it here. He's a great guy if you all haven't figured that out. So is it time for a quote, Matt? Yes. All right, um, you're on. This is John Sawhill, and folks for joining that are joining us the first time, we always conclude every program with a quote from John Sawhill. In the end, a society will be defined not only by what it creates, but what it refuses to destroy. Think about it until next time. Good night. Or good day. Or good evening. Anyway, thank you for joining. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs>